Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they'll all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Hello and welcome to Second Officer Slog, episode 59. I'm your host, and with me is my number one, Jackson. Perhaps you remember that old saying, power corrupts. <laughs> uh, God, it's going to be so good to put that music on. I forgot yeah! all about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're back, kind of, briefly. I mean, as always, we're back. We have That's to discuss right. what we're going to do next time. Not Enterprise. To- I will kill okay. you if we do okay. Enterprise next time. I was like, there's a five book Enterprise series I really no. want to read. But if you want to break, we can take a break. That's fine. Um, we'll, we'll see how we do. All I know is I don't want to do any five-book series in a row ever again. The only good thing about Star well, Trek we books... We do have... The thing is, we do have... I do want to read that Enterprise one at some point. Yeah, we can go back and forth with other things. I, I just, like... Just having five books from one author and, like, they were all bad in the same way and a couple of them were good. Uh, yeah. Really, I, I, want, I want the variety. I want to go bounce between different authors... Okay. What would you? I guess we'll talk about it later. Hi, it's Star Trek time. It's Star Trek time. Um, we uh, did some Star Trek as as promised. We said we'd That's come right. in by the end of the year and get this uh, Romulan War shit tied up. We did. So our novel this week, uh, this week, this uh, time is to break the storm. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we get into that, though, I was like, you know, this is a great excuse to get you to uh, do the thing I really want, which is to watch Star Trek Lower Deck season one, which you did. I did do that. Which um, is the, uh, the, uh, what's that guy's name? Mike Mahan, right? That's his name? Sure, yeah. I know it's Mike. Yeah, uh, he's one of the guys what did, uh, yeah, Mike Mahan, um, he's one of the Rick and Morty guys, right? Yeah, he's a writer he, and producer on Rick and Morty. Yeah, he was a showrunner, uh, it was one of the, he wasn't the creator, but he was one of the writers hired and then was a showrunner and then left to go do his own thing. And his own thing is Star Trek Lower Decks. Yes, he's also the guy who ran the Star Trek TNG Season 8 Twitter account, you might remember. Yeah, which is kind of corny and, and not. So let's say expectations going in were low. But when, when, to be fair, when launched, that Twitter account was written by someone who genuinely loves Star Trek. Is the that, comedy a little cringe? Yes. But. Yes. Um, and here and he has only. We, we've watched the first one. You've watched all three. You've watched all yes. Lower Decks. I, I have watched I, the first I, ra- I run, don't walk to new episodes of Lower Decks. Um, I will not be doing that. If they're Lower Decks, I watched the, the, the episodes allotted and then immediately went back to Voyager. I'm like, I just need to get Star Trek done. I, it left me energized to just watch some fucking Star Trek. There you go. So, yeah, Lower Decks is about the USS Cerritos, which is a second contact vessel, which is they go to all the planets that the Enterprise flew by and 
gave a lecture to and set up communications or uh, deliver replicators, blah, blah, blah. Like, a lot of logistical grunt work. Um, but mostly they are getting into comedically tinged Star Trek episodes in 22 minutes through the eyes of the four lower deckers that are the main cast, which is um, uh, Ensign Beckett Mariner. They're all Ensigns. Beckett Mariner is the daughter of the captain, but no one knows it because the captain's a real like, she's like real like button up serious type. And Beckett's a, a perpetual, perpetually acting out her, right? She's like a, she's a fucking, um, um, what's good morning Vietnam guy, that guy, like Robin Williams type. Uh, is who she is basically. Oh, oh, it's a really like cruel, it. cruel That's way to cruel... describe Beckett. I know, but she, she is someone who does, doesn't want to be an officer, so she acts out to be, but remain an ensign, even though she is clearly hyper competent and should be in charge of a ship. Yeah, but also like because it's a lower deck show, uh, the um. And it's, it's so clearly in the mod of TNG, it just moves the focus away from Star Trek as a military. And also Star Trek is just like a, a high school you stay in forever. Yeah. Uh, so like the, the, the lenses are different and the modes are different yeah. than just the fucking, you comparing it to Good Morning Vietnam just had me on on edge. Yeah. Um, and then her uh, bestie is Bradward Boimler, who is uh, a, a weasel, a wimp, a spineless coward. I love him so much. He's he's just a guy who really loves the rules and loves everyone here. Loves the, I, I, I guess maybe not and uh, Mariner, but everyone here fucking loves to be in Starfleet. Uh, she yes. does too in her own way. Um, and um, he's just a guy who's like I'm gonna be captain someday. He's real hustling. Uh, he he just loves everything about the Star Trek universe. And uh, then there's uh, Samantha Rutherford, who is an engineer. He's a guy with like a cybernetic implant. Um, it, like a, it looks like a scouter from DBZ. <laughs> it's like the, um, uh, you know, that, that lady had in uh, Discovery. I guess she was yes. more robotic. Between that thing. and like a, yeah, and a scouter is basically what he has. Yeah. Um, and he's just a real engineering nerd. Um, and uh, then Ensign Tendi comes aboard the first episode and she's an Orion uh, who's working in medical um who's just really enthusiastic she is she's the um what's the character in discovery that everyone liked before they wrote her tilly. tilly tilly yeah tilly. she is the tilly <laughs> she's just really enthusiastic and wide-eyed about the world of star trek and you know what me too yes uh, and they just so get misadventures that are like mostly about mariner acting out and then star trek happens and uh they solve it by working together and believing in each other and uh talking through their feelings star trek shit yeah um but by being I, I, so one of the first things I want to say is like this is just Star Trek. They just made Star Trek basically exactly. Yes. There's some more jokes, but this is Star Trek. The same way that everyone says about the um, the Orville is that uh, you get these you get these uh, like slightly older writers or not slightly older, but like the the writers are people in, in the 30s and 40s uh, of these shows who grew up with Star Trek in the 90s. So here's and they the thing: love it. this writers' room has like a lot of younger people on it. That's cool. That is good to know. Uh, it's I'm, like they like the writers' room is like half old heads and half like people who grew up watching Star Trek on Netflix and are really excited about Star Trek now. Yeah, uh, I was really talking about Mike Mahan, but yes, I didn't know. Yeah, like the yeah, yeah. Mike Mahan's like an old, like very yes, he's very much someone who grew up on this shit. Like we, like I, you and me did when we were kids, right? Yes, it just always had it. But yeah, the writers' room is like also often much younger. It's people who like yeah, start because Star Trek. It's weird because like all that shit's been on Netflix for years, not anymore, but it all was. So everyone's seen TNG and DS9, right? Yeah. Everyone's seen DS9. Yeah. Honestly, people younger may not have seen TNG because like DS9 is the big Netflix show. Yeah. Uh, but 
Yeah. And, and, and so you get into a situation where you get this comedy show that it is from the Rick, a Rick and Morty guy and your guards are up, uh, but people like Star Trek too much that they're just using it as an excuse to make normal Star Trek. Just make a normal Star Trek. They convince Alex Kurtman to make a 90s-style Trek show again. That's all it is. And here's how you know how. They fucking put the title on the screen, the thing I've been mad about since yeah. Discovery. It's got a it's got a Voyager-esque opening, and they put the title on the screen, and it uses the TNG font. It's just one of these. It's deliberately pitched as one of these. There's a bit... There's like the the Clippy episode uh, when this was Clippy was Mike Mahan's like character. He's like, I just I want you to put him in the show. And when they uh, did the oh, bad, why, yeah, badgy. Yeah. He's like, why? Why are you making us do a Clippy episode? And he's like, this is a 90s show. This is a 90s joke. I want to do it. I'm running the show. You're going to do it. for me. <laughs> Wait, so the, the stuff for like this, this is an entire extended bit about everyone was like, everyone's like, this is for old people. And he's like, yes. <laughs> I mean, there's even a very funny joke where they go, this is the 80s. And I'm like, I know, haha, I know the two <laughs> 80s of this is. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yes, yes. Mariner, just, Mariner literally goes, I, this is the 80s. People don't act like that anymore. <laughs> um, uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's really good. So, so watching it this time, I knew, I knew you'd liked it. So after bouncing off like the trailer and seeing it and thinking like, this looks cringe, um, just because of the the heritage and also like just like american animation style is a thing that people are often it just looks like, like one of those yeah like they all look the ass. same yeah um, but, and, and you really liked it so i went in and um and I, I mostly had a good time i was like slightly resistant to the first episode which i think is like easy to read uncharitably i don't actually think the change like people say that it changes a lot over the course no of the it's just season. you don't know the characters right you I go think into you that and you're like Ugh. i think it's you don't know the characters and also you just you don't give it the, the faith that yeah. you could because like you get there and you have this nerd and then there's the acting out girl who's hot and teasing him. And then you get the Orion nerd who's like super naive, but also super sexy with the other nerd. And I'm like, oh, fucking, this is in hell. I'm in hell. And you just see how it could go really bad if you're not like investing, in, like, like trusting them. Um, yes. I think once like, once you went over the, the, the trust, which the show definitely does, uh, I don't think there's like that much difference in the initial episodes and the later ones in the season. Um, no. It's all just pretty much of a piece. Um, yeah, uh, it's weird. Cause like Boimler, sh- we watched that short track about that guy who was like kind of an insufferable nerd and everyone treated him like shit. And then like, I was thinking about that the whole time. Yes. Like, we hate that episode so much. It's so bad. Cause no one in Starfleet acts like that. The whole point of Star, you have to, Star Trek has to operate from a sense of the people here. And like, you can critique like, oh, they fall into like neoliberalism or whatever. And that's true. They do all the time. There's a lot of imperialist neoliberal thinking in Star Trek. But the thing that Star Trek earnestly should be doing is the people in Star Trek are better than the people who live today, right? Like everyone's like 10% their better selves. Yes. And you wouldn't treat people like shit like that, right? Like it's just like inherent in in what you want out of Star Trek. And Boimler is just like a, he is that guy. But because we're in, we're in Star Trek that actually considers what that's like, um, he's given the space to like learn and grow and communicate with everyone who like genuinely cares for him and they rib him or whatever, but like everyone's like looking out for him the same way he's looking out for them. Um, it's f- just good. <laughs> just good. It's just good. Yeah. Uh, cause the thing with that short track that we, that we hated so much is it's like getting epic owns on the shitty man. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and in a way that's like mixing up, um, ideas of shitty incels on Twitter, uh, entitled men who think they're better than they are, but also like a boss getting mad at their employee because they, you know, I'm the boss. You should listen to me. Why you gotta, 
you got time to lean, you got time to clean type shit, and just mixes that up yes. in a way that was really uncomfortable. Whereas this is much more precise about like what it is to like work at a shitty job, but in the Starfleet vision of a shitty job where there are no shitty jobs. Yeah. Um, like there are menial that, tasks that people don't want to do, and you still got a boss, right? But you signed up for this. One of the episodes of Star Trek that I hate the most is Tapestry, which is not a bad episode. Like it, it's it's well done. I like right? that episode quite a bit. I do. I don't disagree with your complaints about it, but I do like my, that. My specific complaint is that like the idea. The being a menial officer in Starfleet is like some kind of cosmic tragedy for John Luke Picard. I believe some Picard like, believes that. that I believe he like, believes that, but that's a critique. I don't. The, the, in the lens yes. of the show, it posits yeah. this is like some awful occurrence that this yes. great man did not achieve the like his his incredible potential. Yeah, um, you're right. No, I'm not. And, I, and I, I don't disagree I, with you. I just find it like disgusting uh, when the entire. Like the, the entire conceit of Starfleet and the Federation, uh, when they're trying to do their utopian thing, is that that's not true. Is that like you just kind of do your thing and help out and enjoy being in the post scarcity world because we got rid of like the need to hustle. Um, and I think this show does a really good portrayal of that in the uh, Mariner is like a little bit of a bum who is not achieving her potential. But yes. the show posits that like, no, staying an ensign and just being in lower decks is its own choice. Like she just needs to choose that and not just, uh, yeah, just do it by inertia there's no bad choice Starfleet could not be a place where everyone wants to be captain right it, yes. it wouldn't work that way <laughs> it, it just would not work yeah um and i'll be honest looking at what it is to be captain in all the star trek shows most people would not want to be captain <laughs> it seems like a bad job honestly a lot of times I can't wait to I'm get. Like, I'm like, I'd be captain, but that's <laughs> beside the point. I can't wait to get an episode where uh Boimler's captain in some kind of. I don't, I, sh, I don't know if they go to the well in season two and three. I would not be surprised if they do, uh, because he. Oh, there's so a bad there's an episode captain. where they all take command training. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, well, they they have to do like command scenarios in the holodeck to be graded on there or something. I think that's the one that has that. Yeah, because that'll be good. I can just see. I see already see the jokes. I'll have a great time laughing at them. <laughs> yes um but yeah it, it 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 and it also really invests in like these are young characters who are are also just like shittier general like they just act out and act badly and have to muddle through their like conflicted relationships but the adults aren't like perfect right there's no like there's no tng's vision of picard right there's like book picards who are kind of <laughs> weird assholes that you don't like despite the fact that they are truly like competent and like concerned with stuff but they are just like on their bullshit all times right like yes. uh like captain freeman is is a ball buster who kind of sucks and is way too cold to her crew like just straight up yeah that's just her character <laughs> yeah and like she's a good captain um she's way too vain about like her insecurities about being on a california class ship <laughs> um and it leads them to some tr trouble over and over again but uh she's still a good captain you know she's not a she's not a jellico <laughs> No, no. They make jokes about Jellico. <laughs> yes. The the thing uh, that I like about this, which I think would be true, but like the books never talk about it really, is if you were in Starfleet, you would just read like public lo logs are public. You would just read about all the weird shit like the flagships are up to all the time. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, the Enterprise was trapped in a nebula. It had a face that tried to kill everyone. Wow, isn't that fucked up? <laughs> uh. Riker is not using a uh, classified holodeck thing in the Enterprise finale. Anyone can just do that if they wanted yeah. to. Yes. Yes. You could just uh, go and hang out with Archer anytime you want. Anytime you want. I would, I would be doing that. I'd be doing that so much. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, you got to hang out with the TOS crew, those old scientists. Those old, that's, that's a little corny. That bit's a little corny. So, it's, it's fine. It's very corny. Um, I like it because it comes from Ransom, who is just the, the Kirk. He's just a, he's literally pumping iron every time someone goes talk to him in his room. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, he's very good. Um, cause he, he's, he's the first officer, but he is any, but he's more of a Kirk type than a Riker type. And I think if you, if you understand the difference, you understand why he is that. Um, but he is just kind of like a, a suck up in a way that's really funny to me. I like him a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, I think everyone comes up as really endearing over the course of the series. Uh, there wasn't yes. anyone I didn't like on the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, even if like they're archetypes, I'm like, I don't know about this. Like, how are you gonna? I just, I just mostly liked everyone. I think I think the crew is yeah. pretty good. Um, yeah. I think the show. One of the really interesting things about the show uh, is that by by being a comedy show and the way it like deals with the TNG character stories, which is like a slightly sardonic and like understands that TNG episodes are about this like moral conclusion that being reached. Yes. Um, yes. And so we'll like play with that and subvert it sometimes and. It ends up in this enterprise-like place of sometimes it will like really highlight things that are genuine critiques of the Federation, sometimes intentionally, so, and a lot of the times like not intentionally, just by bringing them to the forefront of what the show's doing because the show's not really yes. making the critique. Uh, but it will. It just leads to an interesting Star Trek show like that. That like yeah, the show's I mean, good. The, 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 the show is aware. Yeah. The show is aware by making a workplace comedy about a, like a goofy idea like Second Contact. It is by its by very nature pointing at the flaws of the federation like it's not going to be about that it's not interested in like talking about that seriously but i mean like mariner brings it up in the last episode like the final episode she's like yeah starfleet's really good at like finding strange new worlds really bad at following through with like doing anything with that yeah but i mean even like um anytime there's aliens right and they're goofy funny aliens it's a funny yes. thing i feel like it just really draws attention to how shitty uh starfleet is by making the aliens so comedically awful um yes <laughs> mariner's ferengi friend that she uh <laughs> she asked to act like a ferengi to boimler so he is super racist in a normal way at him <laughs> the way that resolved was like haha my racism worked one time yes fuck yes and then, that, and then it was like they undercut that but not in the doesn't undercut like Boimler's um certainty that that is what it means to be a good Starfleet officer. Yes, it's, it's stuff like that I find crunchy. And the the thing with one of the best episodes is the uh, the movie episode. Uh, oh, it's so fucking good. The best joke in the show by a mile. Uh, the ninety seconds panning shots of the Cerritos. Uh, I think my favorite actual bit in that episode is that it opens on the bridge crew all jet skiing for the captain's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, so it's an entire joke about star trek movies amazing but um the, the opening of the episode like before the movie stuff uh posits something really interesting that the episode doesn't really go into but like um marion gets sent to therapy right yes for, for just acting out all the time but the thing she's specifically acting out about is not actually one of her her that's not sure what she's doing she's actually being like very level-headed about a thing the federation of fucking up and, like hey because I'm the captain and I like engage with the leaders of state, I will say, don't free the slaves. And she's like, I freed the slaves. What, are you going to get across to me for freeing the slaves? Uh, yeah. Is like what the actual conflict's about. And it gets I mean, yeah, into this she's, argument about she's therapy. She's sent to therapy yeah. because her mom's overbearing, right? Like, right. and is punishing her. But like the inciting incident is just like drawing a light on the things that happen in weird Star Trek yes. episodes. Like um, yes. that Enterprise one where, uh, I forget what happens, but um, 
because I remember it being bad. It's like a controversial one, but I, I, I like parts of it for it. Like the reasons people don't like it are the reasons I find it interesting. The one where Archer's talking to like the boss of the planet and Trip's talking to like one of the exploited people and Archer's like, well, we just got to go with what the leaders say. I've talked to the leaders and that's what we do here. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, that's just a thing the Federation does every fucking time. That's just what they do. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, and Mariner's always the person who's like, I'm going to do the materially good thing for the people here. <laughs> yes. She's like, she's like just a little too like rough and tumble materialist for the world event of Star Trek. <laughs> and not in like an ideological way, just in a, she, she understands that people need food and like replicators, right? <laughs> yeah. Like she has no time for the, the, the politics of it all. Um, in a way that makes her really bad at actually doing like diplomacy Star Trek plots. Yes. Uh, does mean she gets shit done on like away missions better. Yes. And it, the, like Lower Decks posits the difference between bridge officers and like ensigns is like her mom doesn't like not care about that stuff, but she understands that like part of being a captain, she goes into that r- r- conference of like 12 aliens all arguing and just settles it she just gives everybody what they want enough to get the compromise done that's what being a captain is and mariner could never do that but also like they have to make the aliens awful and unreasonable for that joke to work like the entire premise of the joke of that episode is the aliens are all being stupid babies that she's got to, to got to like settle yes. through um so it exists in this interesting space of uh it's simultaneously like that but also a like the whole joke is all oh, these fucking aliens why wouldn't they just listen to me well specifically the final holdout is like a guy who's like my people and his people are him and his wife because they own the planet <laughs> and then she just blows it up that bit that is a great joke great great work yes. um yeah he's like you're gonna you're gonna condemn our, our society all to all both of us and she's like wait both of you what are you talking about <laughs> uh yeah and that's the other thing I was surprised about is it's just funny. Um, yes. Like not every joke lands and it'll, it'll definitely do the thing a few times where it'll tell the joke and then we'll tell the joke again to make it, I'm a, I've got the joke um, in the modern comedy writing way that I find obnoxious, but less than I thought uh, yeah. from the, the Rick and Morty Star Trek show, right? Like it's mostly yes. just funny character bits that I like from characters I enjoy hanging around. Yes. Yeah. I, I re especially rewatching it, knowing there's like some stuff in the season that like, doesn't feel like set up for future seasons, but will come back in ways that are interesting. And watching it again, um, I just had a great part of it is like I trust that I they're going to do these characters right. Like that episode where uh Mariner's hot for ransom, you're like, I don't like this at all. Thankfully, I'm tell you right now, it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean that comes back in like the finale in a way that it feels very funny because they're already past that. Yes. because um, <laughs> uh, her being hot for ransom in the moment is like funny but they're not going to be a couple right mariner and ransom both subscribe to like the early tng thing of like we're just out here like you know there's no stds in the 2280s yeah i believe they would hook up after a party one day and then not think about it and then not think about it yeah yeah that's the thing um absolutely (laughs) um mariner's uh weird sexual life is uh ongoing concern but it doesn't include jack ransom thank god uh the whole the whole episode where boimler and um mariner are both having freakouts about boimler's girlfriend <laughs> uh that obviously like concludes with both of them uh like they doesn't really have more in common as they fight over this man but then like actually concludes with boimler just getting dumped by both of them as their friends now and he's a loser it's yes. really funny <laughs> it's really good um, but also, like, 
it's clear that like you know your boilers have value he's a he's a decent guy he's good in a pinch he's good at things that like mariner's not like you understand why they're best friends mm-hmm. um and i like that whereas like tendy and rutherford are just like i'm rooting for them i hope they get together <laughs> i mean they definitely do the same with like in, in the first episode of the show they yes. put these two couples together right they put yes um, rutherford and tendy and boiler mariner and is like Ooh, workplace romantic tension with both of them i believe in my heart i'm fairly sure i'm just gonna know how writing works that boiler and mariner will just settle into being good friends uh while yes rutherford and tendy are the actual couple of the show um yeah. but they definitely do the tv writing thing where they, you put the, the man and the woman together put them in you make people like them you go oh well, well, like you know you don't decide with episode one exactly where the, te- the like chemistry is going to go but they set up those these workplace scenarios to play over and over again and the first few episodes, especially, um, they keep those pairings like very intact and play with that mm-hmm. tension. I feel yeah. like about halfway through the season, they were finally able to like let the you know you can have an episode where Boimler's hanging out with Tendi. Now we've got like we've got a handle on these characters. It doesn't have to be these yeah. two will they won't they like hooks. Um, they're not really strong will they won't they, but like those are like the dynamic pairings that they build the show around at the starts. Yeah. Also, they realize the OTP of the show is Shax and Ta'ana. So, you know. That's so fucking true. <laughs> um, which are great. Man, I love Shax. He's so cool. <laughs> he is. He is so fucking good. He's one of my favorites as well. I assume everyone loves Shax. Yes, everyone loves Shax. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, love a love a grizzled Bajoran vet on the ship. <laughs> Uh, it's just funny it's just good and he he just has like he has the wharf bit where he's always advocating for shooting like shooting the guy and asking questions later his specific thing he he wants to eject the warp core and then blow it up (laughs) uh every time every time yes (laughs) which is basically like what wharf did for all of tng and just like wharf they tell him no um but him being like a a battle hardened like kira naree style like uh bajoran resistance fighter is just really good well, I think they do a good job of, like, they take the jokes about Star Trek that are bigger than Star Trek in many ways. Mm-hmm. Like, the Wolf joke comes from TNG, but, like, even if you've only seen a couple episodes of TNG, you've seen someone, like, make that joke about Wolf being useless. Just a known yes. cultural thing. Um, and they put it into the structure of the show. But because they're fucking nerds, they then, like, have to work backwards. Like, oh, he'll probably work on, he, like, he could be a genre resistance fighter uh, and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and there's lots of deep lore nonsense uh, they really, really, really want you to know that they've seen Enterprise. <laughs> yes. Which is true of Enterprise fans. <laughs> Can confirm, as we do this podcast. Uh, that's just true. Yeah, that's unfortunately just true. Uh, we are like that. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to uh, watch the rest of the seasons. I, I'll definitely, I know my deadline is uh, for uh, Strange New World Season 3. Because there's that cross, uh, season two. Because there's that crossover. Yeah, but uh, at the moment I'm working on Voyager. I'm like, I'm like, if I can, if I can just get through most of Voyager, I'm, I'm there. Then I can just watch yeah. them on Star Trek. Then I'm fucking finally got this off my back. Yeah, I mean that's basically I did it. We were watching Voyager around seasons of Lower Decks as they'd come out because uh, just really fell for this show. The movie episode. 22 minutes hits every joke you want to make about the Star Trek movies, like all 10 of them. Uh, it's 28 uh, minutes. They, they, it's an extended runtime. Uh, okay. But yeah, it hits every joke you'd want about all of those um, movies and still manages to have like the best character work in the entire season. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you can just have everything. Fuck Star Trek movies. 
we're we're not on vacation. We're on the jet ski assignment. <laughs> yeah, I was genuinely losing my shit at the panning shot of the uh, of, of the Cerritos. Well, yeah, it's all it's all in it's all in widescreen. Like they go like they. Uh, <laughs> Um, Mariner overwrites, uh, overwrites Boimler's, uh, like holodeck simulation of the ship. Cause he wants to ask the question, captain questions to prep for an interview he's doing for a promotion. Cause he's a huge suck up and she reprograms it into like, she's going to be the Klingon villain that takes over the ship, uh, and fights her mom. Cause she's acting out. Um, and they just, it becomes a movie with like, it has the, the, T- the TOS movie, like logos, and the big sweeping score and it's all in widescreen and uh, there's lens flares everywhere. And the way they shoot the ships is like not even just the big uh, like motion picture panning shot, but the way ships like like it has like electrical energy that goes between themselves and it goes to warp. And the way it comes into planets is just framed differently than the show does. Um, it's just a spot on everywhere. Um, yeah. Uh, and then it ends really with funny. it ends with everyone's fucking signatures of the like four main characters, which I love because they do that in uh, I think it's Undiscovered Country where the yeah, actors the, sign yeah, their the names. final so the final uh, TOS movie yes uh, yes and it, it's it's good it's so cute it's good <laughs> yes. um, it's it's incredible they could get away with that nine episodes into the series because I'm like I already yeah. like all these guys which yes. is not true nine episodes into almost any other Star Trek series <laughs> <laughs> that's for damn sure. Um, I think that's the one thing, like, say what you will about modern television. There's a lot of problems. They know they know they have to write to get you to like the characters much faster. Uh, yes. They cannot, like, set a thing on the table and be like, what are we going to do with this? Let's see where this grows. Yeah. Um, you got to at least get the main cast in immediately. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also, like, a subplot about how <laughs> uh, uh, she's being raised to the Orions, um, featuring the Incredible Joe, which is um, when Tenny's like... My people haven't been like awful slave owners for five years. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tendi's weird uh, cultural conflict is very good. Barely touched upon this season, but it is good. Oh. Uh, which just managed to do the like the walking the line of this is a joke about how TNG was five years ago and was bad about things. Yes, uh, but we're also like going to take it seriously and engage with like what's going on with the Orions better than the Enterprise did at one time. Ignore that. Yes. I mean, by being like a post Dominion War, uh, ep- like show, there's just like a there's like a guy who's a he is who is like a changeling denier. This <laughs> is like a throwaway joke. <laughs> changeling denier is really good. Yes, he's been listening to Star Trek Info Wars. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's it provides just such a better picture of where Star Trek is at than any of the books or movies can be because they're also dour about like. Because a lot of them came out after, like, so far after DS9 that 9-11 happened, everything is such a post-9-11, like, ah, this is the burden of the overstretched empires. We all have to be on war footing now forever because this could happen again. And Lower Decks is like, no, you don't. We can just go back to exploring. (laughs) This is the closest any show has been to TNG since, uh, like, I I would say Voyager in just in, like, the Voyager was TNG that continued on. Um, But... By being in a Delta Quadrant, it doesn't really have the thing where, like, the, yes. the, the Dominion War eats up so much space in what's happening in, like, galactic politics. Yeah. Uh, whereas this gets to have, like, all the people you know, uh, all the, like, situations you know, and, like, we're dealing with the Klingons and, and stuff like that. And uh, But in the workplace comedy mode of TNG that was all... TNG was already a workplace comedy for half its episode. That was just already true about Star yes. Trek. Yes. Yeah, TNG knew just as Lower Decks knows that the most important man in Star Trek is Miles O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the the fucking Boimler effect. <laughs> yes. Drawing a line from Boimler to Miles O'Brien is really good because it's really easy to paint him as like a um, Barkley character. But he like the bar- like this show knows that the Barkley character is a little like on the like especially in TNG is just a little too mean. You can't do that. Um, yeah, because like <sighs> Barkley's too pathetic. Yes. Um, but he's pathetic in a way that we're like taking him down isn't satisfying either because you've invented a guy that sucks so much. Yes. Uh, I think I think Voyager Barkley's more interesting. You'll get there. Like yeah, I know, I know he's the guy that is like in charge of the yes. uh, like subspace whatever. However, they're able to talk to uh, the actual Federation. Yeah, later, later <laughs> like season like five season or whatever. Yeah, yeah four or five. I don't because I know when. he shows up and he's in like the modern uniforms, which they have. The, oh, the gray uniforms, the the Star Trek First Contact late DS Nine uniforms. They look uh, so bad. <laughs> so bad. Wow. They just like so like the, I love the uniforms of this because they're really colorful. They got the white stripe. Like it's the thing you do when you're like doing it in animation. You don't have to worry about people wearing them. Um, and uh, you see the you see the late DS9 uniforms. You're like, yeah, I, these work great on on a television show, but they look like shit in animation. Cause it's just like gray on black and just like swallows up the character. <laughs> yeah, and also just so much more military. Um, yes. Because I do love is, that um yeah. I that uh we see that one shot of Mariner in those little uniforms. She has like the biggest like old timey hair. <laughs> yes, in her flashback. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so good. She's got fucking Deanna Troy like blowout hair in that uh flashback. It's really good. And also just her vibes is like spot on for being 35 year old who's still kind of 22. Yes. <laughs> uh which is the people we all know and respect. It does not treat that as like a thing to look down on. Yeah. Uh, which is very good as someone who's Do we know not how, there old yet. Be- uh, how old mariner is no but uh just has that vibe yeah but yeah no no i know i'm just graduating like, class is already captain so like i'm not gonna yes, i'm gonna assume true. not in her 20s yeah um, that's true yeah yeah i mean it's yeah everyone goes to starfleet right like so everyone yes. here is probably in their if they're in their 20s and they're in their very late 20s probably early 30s right yeah also, at Star Trek, everyone lives to like 130. <laughs> right. Star Trek Big Boss is 120 and flying around. Not, not, yes. not in TV canon. But yeah. I still think about him. But like Jean-Luc Picard's, like when he's commanding the Enterprise, is like in his 70s. Yes. So like ages are all kind of off at this point. Yeah. They've all got like Aragorn age. <laughs> they have all got Aragorn age. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like this show quite a bit. I the, my, my least favorite joke, um, I hate when they do like a swear and they bleep it because they think it's cute. And they they think they, they think it's really cute. There are idea. times where I like the swears because they've just they've just written a line and it just happens to be censored. Uh, I'd rather uh, I like say I it. like most of Tana's lines. I think she's like because she's like a bones type, but is like yes. a like a grizzled cat lady. I just think she's really funny. Um, yes, <laughs> she'd be funny but, if they didn't bleep the swears though. Also, yeah, no, she does she does drop an f slur. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, they do use they do use the the sentence to get like they they get come in Star Trek. They we've had yeah. we've, someone says come. Yeah, um, yeah. Someone 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 says that Mariner's cleaning come out of the cum filter. <laughs> Just a line in Star Trek now, which is very funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mind the swearing because I, I think it's funny. I think the, sometimes it's well written, but when they write for the bleep specifically, it's like okay. I, I get there's only one joke you can do which is they swear too long and the beat goes on it's annoying stop it it's it's weird because this this season has a better version of this joke where they are where they're re, 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 they're playing a flashback that's like people saying highly classified things um and they do like a like section 31 came and like put censors over everyone's memories bit it's not actually what happens but that's how it treats it like 
uh, um, Tendi's explaining what happened as these guys come in and, and it's um, it's Ransom and like some guys who you've never seen before and they're doing some black ops shit and Ransom keeps saying like Romulan and neutral zone and the like sensor just hits at the wrong minute like the wrong second and that stuff's really funny to me. I like it, that it, quite a bit. It keeps getting shorter as the yes. story goes on. <laughs> yes. There's a bit where he goes Romya and then there's the buzzer and he goes Yulin. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, so just just good, just good stuff, good good jokes, yeah. good lore stuff, um, yep. and it just made me excited about Star Trek. I was like, "All oh, right, I really like Star Trek. I care about all these characters. I have to close my eyes to what happens five minutes after the show ends." Uh, the Titans canon. We don't have to think about Picard. Well, the, Titan, the Titan was always canon. The Titan was. Always I know, <laughs> I know, but like we get to see him on the Titan in the Titan with Troy doing Titan shit. When that came up, I was like, "They could just make a Titan. They could just make a real. They could just make." make star trek in this era with everyone animated they can just they can just push on the yes. titan because yes. at the end of the end of the season um boom is on the titan that won't last uh <laughs> i but, don't know what you're talking about <laughs> but boimler is on the titan with Riker. he takes the promotion yes um, which is really good they, they 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 love to like do the moral of the episode and then have like, like a thing happen and then the character immediately abandons it uh which is always funny uh, i think it's um adding a layer of like popping the balloon of the star trek liberalism the show still believes in uh is good because it's not uncynical about it it's just uh lets the characters be a little more self-interested sometimes yes uh in ways that are just 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 funny uh but uh, i'm excited to see the titan again and how much more Riker we're gonna get uh but i know he's like he's around the sets directing the other shows so you can get him in yeah uh you'll get more you get more Riker. not like a ton but there's more Riker. Yeah, I mean, I hope <laughs> he's on the Titan, so I assume he's, for the first five minutes of season two, we'll get a bit of Riker, and then he'll, through circumstance, be brought brought back to, uh, <laughs> to Mariner. Yeah, they, they were, they were, like, I was, I, so I watched the Blu-ray when we, because I originally watched it when it aired, but I was watching the Blu-ray for this one, and they were like, we, we really wanted to get through most of the season not doing a bunch of, like, names like we could get them we could have gotten them from the beginning but we wanted to make sure we'd establish a show yes. before we like it felt like we had earned putting Riker in like there's a Q bit that's really silly um and, but it's mostly just Riker at the end there and next season like Tom Paris is in it there's a couple more characters um yeah I'm really know, they, they open it up a little more I mean everyone's like uh I have that Tom Paris plate <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm curious who they get because obviously like not everyone will say yes, but like those writers will do like be excited for anyone. Um, so I'm curious yes. what choices they make. Uh, I know everyone's waiting for T'Pol to show up in something. I guess people want to. I will tell moms. you so far, there's no, there's been no T'Pol. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I would, I expect if T'Pol shows up, that'll be in a strange new worlds. Cause she can actually yeah. genuinely just be around. <laughs> every, every other Star Trek has been represented in lower decks at this point though. I will say that. <laughs> uh, I wonder who they're going to get from, from DS because you can't get Odo, he's dead, unfortunately. Uh I'm gonna assume it's probably Bashir. Because there uh, I think I you know there's an episode in season three that go to DS9, right? Oh, right, there is! God <laughs> yeah. man, that's gonna be sad because the the actual guy the first guy you'd want to see given everything is also dead. Um Yeah. But you know, it is it is a post DS9 DS9 uh and kira's in charge of the station like they're rolling with like they're establishing canon damn right yeah because i guess the 
<laughs> wiping out some book stuff there but uh yes uh that that's good that's good because i yeah i'm like what's you gotta you gotta care you gotta you okay you gotta get Kira. you gotta get quark uh odo's still in the, the soup i guess especially permanently now that uh renee's dead uh mm-hmm. and not not getting um not getting nog sucks uh I, yeah there yeah that's just not like, happening that one that's just not happening um he was already dead so. literally already dead uh i yeah. assume i assume there's a touching tribute to him because why wouldn't there be um and anyone else yeah anyone else like i guess bashir might still be around but you could explain him not being there and i don't know if they're gonna got, get get sitting for this uh but that's cool i'm very excited to get to there uh eventually i will I, like uh, so I, will, I will pull the trigger on watching it before strange new world season two but i will see yeah. i'll work on getting through as much voider as uh, the, yeah. this momentum takes me first and like uh, JG Herschel is the voice in uh, this season. He's not like Martok or anything, but he is. You do immediately. I did immediately spot him as the Drukmani captain uh, when he just starts shouting like JG Herschler does every time he's in Star Trek. I am expecting uh, several Jeffrey Combs appearances uh, over the rest of the lower decks. There's one. He's a character. Okay, he's thanks. he's appeared more than once, but yeah. he, is, he is a character. <laughs> okay, because I'm like, come on. <laughs> Yeah. I already remember watching Discovery being like, have you not got Jeffrey Coons for at least one guy? Yeah. Uh, great. They're doing the job. Love it. Yeah. So yeah, had a had a fantastic time. Uh, excited to continue with that. I love Da Vinci being back. Have you gotten to any Janeway Hangs Out with Da Vinci stuff yet? <laughs> no, I, I, no, not in not in Voyager, but I have got the Da okay. Vinci in Lower Decks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, he is basically, Da Vinci's like a minor character in, in Voyager because it's one of Janeway's favorite place to hang out. She's still in the terrible Regency novel. Yes, okay. In in season two. Uh, um, unless so I just like, ep- everyone, everyone's skeet shooting with Leonardo Da Vinci. Yeah, after that, I watched the episode where um, uh, Kess got Akira powers briefly. Um, oh, okay. Sovel gave Kess Akira powers. <laughs> You're just, I'm just having like war flashbacks listening to this. <laughs> uh, and she was like, I didn't like how I felt when I stole the life from the plants. And then Janeway shot a child in the face and it was all fine. <laughs> <laughs> but every, every single sequence of shots in Voyager feels like a shitpost. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Especially as the, the child she's shooting in the face of the second caretaker that could solve all their problems, and they like blackmail it by showing mercy into not killing them, but then it just leaves without helping them. Oh, you're like near rude. the end of what I think of as like early part of Voyager, then because like yeah, yeah. You're, you're not too far away from like seven of nine showing up. No, no, no. I'm like only a season good. away from seven of nine, and yeah. then um, then I I get into the real shit, and I assume I'll speed up a little, and then yeah. slow down as it gets to season six and seven. Oh, um, season seven of Voyager really sucks. But I know like the initial um seven and nine stuff like the year of hells in season four i think like the three four five stretch of voyager is where all the like the best stuff is i'm told yes yeah uh before voyager's never a great show it it, like clearly has a writing crew that doesn't really know what they're doing everyone's like the production of star trek for a decade has really worn everyone down um it doesn't have the budget and the actors aren't as good (laughs) just straight up (laughs) you know but there's stuff there it's not nothing there are bad bad scripts in voyager that you that would like change their entire like tambra when you give them to jonathan frakes right like yes uh tng just lucked out with having the best actors on television voyager just doesn't yes. have that luxury yeah absolutely not <laughs> i love harry kim but uh no nope. <laughs> the writers don't <laughs> yeah no they really don't they really fucking hate him it sucks you gotta would, like your characters i don't under, i literally don't understand why they didn't kill him off because like why would you keep a guy around you don't like like this 
It's, it's very it's strange because I don't do anything with him. I know he never even gets promoted or has anything happen to him. Yeah. I know at some point he dies and is replaced by like a replacement himself. That's another thing I know. I don't know exactly what episode context that happens in. And, you know, this also technically happens to Miles like twice. Yes. Um, but but the people on DS9 love Miles O'Brien. Keiko, yes. different story. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Uh, anyway. anyway, Lower Decks is really good. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that the show making it season four will be out, I assume, sometime in 2023. Uh, I assume so as well. Uh, people people seem to just be very happy with Lower Decks. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's the one that's been like the most, like, eh, it's hard to say to Stranger Worlds, but I feel like this one's been the one that's been the biggest crowd pleaser for everyone who's watched it. Like, everyone loves it. Yeah, I wonder what the ratings are in any of this, because they don't announce it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how to, like, check. I haven't looked into, like, oh, I wonder what the going talk is but like um strange new world was good every time i watch a special feature for this it's like you could buy you could buy the card on blu-ray and i'm like no no fuck <laughs> off i you, will you be watching why i was watching this i was like i never need to watch picard why would i ever watch middling star trek i probably will at some point but i mean um, you'll watch picard season three in three weeks or whatever it is no i won't because i want to watch all of it and we're not, mm. i will watch it later when it's all over and i can just get through it with destiny i just I think they're dangly wolf in front of your face, and you have to know. No, because they're gonna already. There's already a thing where it's like, oh, Worf's a pacifist now, uh, and I'm like, no, I don't care. Get Wait, out of is here. he? Is that the thing? That I doing? think there's a whole thing where like Michael Dorn was like Worf's in a very different place, and he doesn't like do violence as much anymore. And I'm like, oh, this is the most obvious way to write this character in this kind of story. It's stupid. No, Worf should be like a tired bureaucrat because that was the position he was left in at the end of yes. his time. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, no one who writes this show gives a shit about DS9. Oh, right. Of course. Right. That's the that's the problem. This is the TNG movies problem all over again, is that you forget yeah. the Wolf became, not became a different character, but had six more, like five more years of like important character development for one of the most storied characters in like TV history. He gets like 10 straight years of stuff. Yes. Real crunchy stuff. And most of it's in DS9. Yes. Uh, you got you to gotta follow through on that. Yes. Well. Alas. I'll be annoyed at Picard Season 3 at some point, but I have uh, Strange New Worlds. And yeah, you got good Star Trek to watch. Yeah. Uh, Strange New Worlds, the uh, uh, the best um, space-based uh, TV show I've watched this year. I, I, I'm liking Andor, but I'm, say, I'm putting my flag down. I'm saying that Strange New Worlds is better than Andor. I like Lower Decks more than I like Strange New Worlds. I've not seen this year's Lower Decks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Generally, that's what I want to say is that the the heights of the episodic Star Trek is not reached by Andor's like event television. That's true. The yeah, I, I want totally to get across. That. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a thing um, about me that you could assume is true, but I'm saying it. I'm saying it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, we have a whole book to talk about. You want to do that? No, we don't. We have five minutes of conversation about a bad book to have, but yes, let's get it done. So we read To Brave the Storm, the second... <laughs> Romulan War book for Enterprise, uh, written by Michael A. Martin. We read the original book beneath the Raptor's wing earlier this year. Um, spoilers for all of Enterprise and the other books, obviously. Um, this this book takes place uh, in the years twenty one fifty six through twenty one sixty one, and there's a like brief flashback, flash forward to twenty one eighty six, but no one gives a shit about that. I don't give a shit about that. You didn't need to put that in the book. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I understand that this all worked out. I know how books work. I'd, I'd hope, you know? 
I mean, I know the rest of Star Trek happens, and you got to put your like, ooh, with the little timeline changes you made. But yeah. it was it was not necessary. But yes, this is the Romulan War second half. Um, <laughs> you mean you mean the other ninety percent of the Romulan War told in exactly as much time as the first ten percent of the Romulan War? The the last book had to have been longer. The last book was definitely longer. There's no way that. Um, this book is five hundred seventy six pages. This book is five hundred seventy six pages. Yeah. And it still feels like nothing. It's like holding on to air. This book, yeah, this book is 576 pages. I would not have I read said it, that. I read it in two sittings. Yeah, no, I read it real fast. Um, so, uh, broadly what happens is the Romulan War happens over a period of six years, um, or four years, I guess. Uh, all of the plot lines that have been established keep going on, trips behind enemy lines. Um, he is immediately Excuse me, the, the, all of the election stuff does not matter or come up once. <laughs> Uh, right. The, well, in the first chapter, the election stuff is concluded, and then then the politicians are like, "Well, we must defend Earth," and then it, that never comes up again. Uh, <laughs> trips behind enemy lines on 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 Vulcan specifically, pretending to be a Vulcan now after he was even more behind enemy lines on uh, on Romulus, pretending to be a Romulan, uh, but is immediately caught by the Romulans again. So he's just back to that. Uh, well, yeah, so the Vulcans send him to Romulus, and then he gets captured, and everyone thinks that he's a double agent for the other guy. And no one knows he's a human, actually. No one knows he's a triple agent for other other guys. Yes. Uh, so he just kind of like stands around watching what's going on on the Romulan side um, until is uh, like finds a companion in uh, his like new handler who's a hot woman and makes you makes you really know this is one of the hot women on the Romulan side. So you know she can't be that evil uh, for some reason. I don't know why it does. Even though she's like. I feel like femme fatale tall star officer is like the easiest slam dunk of evil lady in the world. But I don't know why they had to make her nebulously maybe a Vulcan agent. That never actually gets confirmed. Uh, no, she has like Vulcan sympathies and might might be more. But like all the Romulans, well, like Romulus uh, is so fucked up and they don't really care about the multi. Like there's like three different factions in Romulan society and none of them matter in any way that you're going to care about. Um, yeah. So she could be working for one of the other factions, too. You don't we don't know. But essentially teams up with her inside the uh the romulan star alliance to undermine the plans that would otherwise destroy the the humans in the war that's trip's yes. plot line uh Archer's plot line is sitting around doing nothing uh until he does a mass effect mission to save the day um, uh, he is he is giving he's giving his s-lings gifts to raise his war meter literally that's literally the his plot. Gi- that is actually the pl- the the video gameness of how the archer stuff works was overwhelming to me I, I'm, I'm glad you also <laughs> reacted this way because i was surprised well, they literally stop and go everyone goes why are you just giving gifts and he's like ah actually it's based on ancient earth literature this book where a guy gave people gifts and they all paid him back at the end and i'm like yeah i know it's a tropey thing you can't just admit yeah this is a narrative trope <laughs> The, the, the part where he they're doing it for cynical reasons and it worked for cynical reasons and that's just played as good and not also shitty stupid um, and it doesn't it doesn't draw the obvious line which is this is why the federation's benevolent in the first place because it gets right. you shit it doesn't draw the line of like the federation realizes that by bringing gifts you will like extend your hegemony right like that yes. is like the the genuine founding principle of the federation is we bring yes. gifts and technology and structure and thus assimilate all these more diverse and nuanced cultures into the like american idea of a hegemony across the galaxy that is what yes uh earth does in fact it is even like almost explicitly said by some of the vulcan characters who when they were like ruminate on how like there wasn't a universal like galactic community before the humans arrived like two decades ago yes Uh, they, they essentially make like speak out loud that the racial trait that humans have uh because every other 
species has a racial trait, but humans are just people. But in the, the Star Trek universe, the racial trait humans had is the, like this desire for soft power and hegemony and to bring together people. And like the book thinks of this as like mostly a good thing. Um, but it you know, be compli- can obviously be complicated when you actually like look at it and interrogate it, but it just is tossed off briefly as a thing that doesn't matter. Yes. yes. Um, uh, other plot lines. The POW is spending the entire war thinking, well, this is a good idea. Uh, at the last minute decides no and joins in the war, but not in a way where it would change the plot of Balance Terror. Um, <laughs> this also happens with all the other, <laughs> all the other factions who are on... <laughs> The uh, thing about Tapau is really funny because she comes in with her huge fleet of incredibly powerful advanced Vulcan ships, wins the war single-handedly in a stroke, and then goes, because I'm a pacifist and I never want to make this choice again, all of these ships are going to be dismantled so they don't show up in the other Star Treks. <laughs> it's really, really funny and stupid. But in this, this entire fire battle, like... Archer is joined by all the generals who are not the leaders of their civilizations, but are the people he, the NPCs he talked to. Yes, yeah, no, it's the it's the Lando brings the whole fleet of guys. It's literally, the fucking end of uh, Rise of Skywalker, which I'm hoping that movie is so bad that it just like puts a damper on the everyone shows up with their own thing type heroic ending because it's so bad in that film that now I can always I always think of, I'm going to think of that first if you don't do it well, uh, mm-hmm. which obviously this is written long before, but. Uh, uh, as a trope, you know, kind of. This can be done well, for the record, but not here, <laughs> not, not there here. either. Um, it can when be everyone. Well. When everyone's powering Goku's spirit bomb, I'm here. I'm ready. Like, give me. I'll take the energy too. Like, you know. But it, it's the, the specific thing I meant uh, in comparing it to Rise of Skywalker isn't just that it's the everyone shows up to help at the end, which is always yeah. A it's, good the, thing. it's the ragtag it's fleet the, of spaceships. It's the ragtag. It's the ragtag feat of unsanctioned spaceships against yes. the orders of the, the like bad states. Yes, uh, is the, the the dynamic that makes it shitty of like oh left to their own devices the people will rise up but it's if, just if everyone has a gun then you can fight the army off when they do bad things right uh and Star Wars especially funny is that is literally the argument palpatine makes that get like makes him palpatine in the first place hilarious yes. anyway um am i forgetting any plot lines we've got to power we've had uh, oh uh trip uh not trip uh travis gets back on the enterprise and is back where he started after five years. <laughs> travis travis almost dies off screen has Three, a change of heart times. off screen d detangles a romulan plot to attack the earth system off screen and then signs back up to the enterprise uh dax is continuing to work on making the tos technology happening uh, uh and is so privy the- to like a scam that the federation is running to not let the other coalition of planets people know that they can evade the romulan weapon so the tos ship and the warp 7 romulan ships both are constructed in this book and do nothing (laughs) uh yep (laughs) true they just happen and you know that's set for future uh picard's french ancestor shows up and has sexual tension with gannett brooks who you, you spend the whole book thinking, oh, thank God they forgot about Gannett, character I don't care about. But no, she comes back to, like, flirt with Picard for some reason. A Picard ancestor and that Picard guy found himself immediately in a weird love triangle with Travis fucking Mayweather. For a chapter. For one for chapter. For a single chapter. We we do not talk about the weird land tensions of all the Native Americans living on no. the fucking um, Mars now. That that's gone. Erased that is from history. Gone. Yes. I think it was like a solid third of our episode last time. That's all gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and was there anything else? Um, Hoshi has to talk to, uh, to, to Paul 
in her chapter where she's like, I'm completely useless. And Paul <laughs> goes, you know what? Me too, this time. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of all that. Uh, but that, that's the whole plot of the book. Um, that's literally everything. I think we covered every subplot in the story. But like the war goes on for five years and nothing really happens in the war other than like both sides building their meters to full. And then because Archer's done his Mass Effect side quest, he wins the final battle. That's yeah. literally all. Like the, the the scale of the war does not really impact the. Uh, this could just be the end of an, a random episode happening. Does Erica 20 minutes. Hernandez show up once in this book? I don't think so, right? Uh, no. She's alive, right? She didn't die in the last book, and I forgot. I think she might have died in the last book and you forgot. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, this is coming out after Destiny. I know Destiny has some stuff about the Columbia uh, that might have um, uh, messed us up. Sure, I don't remember but what like, to Hernandez. She didn't like, whatever happened to her didn't happen in between these two books, did it? We, I'm just saying we might not remember the last time. I don't, I don't remember what happened to the Columbia. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of stupid shit happens to her as part of Destiny right after this, uh, uh, beneath the raptor's wing. So. <laughs> yeah, I was going to, because I, I know from looking at the Trek lit site, like reading order, that the fate of the, Des- the fate of the Columbia is addressed in Destiny. And yeah, literally right after <laughs> that is temporal displacement. So I'm like, okay, I don't care. Never mind. Yeah, that's what I assumed. But like <laughs> the Columbia is in the first book and matters to the war and then just kind of disappears. Uh, it's the it, other it, one of these ships. <laughs> I mean, there are other, other ones of the ships, yeah. but yes. It's uh, NXO2 though. It is weird that that like, you know, it doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, because I, I assume that is some more like other book stuff in Destiny. Yes. It doesn't, doesn't, that's why it's so conspicuous and not really talked yes. about. But yeah, um, this book uh, fucking sucks. <laughs> It's awful. I really didn't like it. It's, it's not- so thin. It, I genuinely, there's, I feel like at some point this had to have been three to five books and they were give, they were given an order for two and they already had one kind of roughed out. So they had to really compress everything in the final one. There's more time given to how much to Paul hates the smell of Porthos than anything that Travis Mayweather does. <laughs> You're right. That is, that comes back <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. Uh, I genuinely don't know. I don't know what happened with this book because if you asked me to plot out a Romulan war book, I would have made a different choice to literally every single choice being made here. Yeah. Um, and I didn't like hate the setup. Like back in the Kobayashi Maru book, I enjoy. I remember enjoying that. I remember enjoying the initial Coalition of Planets stuff. Um, but by this point, like it doesn't m- match my understanding of what the Romulan war would be and not in a nuclear bombs shining at each other type way, right? Um, I don't really care about the specifics of that. I mean more that like, why does Archer win this? I thought the whole thing with the Romulan War was they were fighting so hard to a state. Like, I assume it was a North Korea, South Korea situation where the neutral zone was formed in a pact that wasn't necessarily the end of the war, but it just stood forever, right? Like, it just, the the that stalemate became a status quo of quote-unquote peace in its own way. Yeah. Um, but instead, what happens here is Archer absolutely whoops those guys. Yes. And, and then the Romulans, like, accept the peace terms entirely but like thinking it like a certain faction thinks of it as like actually this is our even more secret plan to win later haha <laughs> but I'm like, i know you don't you're the romulans you never do anything <laughs> um I, I know what happens next uh so it's it's very very strange uh because i would have like i would have assumed you would have had like multiple point of view stories about different ships involved in the war uh and you give them like actual emotional stakes rather than like showing up to every battle and then someone says oh these people have died um and then it doesn't matter uh yeah 
Uh, one of the things I come to for Enterprise stuff is the energy of Jonathan Archer accidentally stumbling into being the guy who creates the Federation because he meets people in space. Yes. Um, and like Strand gets two things. He gives a speech where he's like, I'm going to show up to fight pink skin. And there's a, a side where his child goes, oh, where's Papa? And she's like, he's off fighting the war, but I don't want to tell you that because we're all pacifists. So I'm just going to cry. That's it. That's all the strand you get. Shut up. Shut up. Uh, God. Yeah. It, it, it keeps cutting between characters and not as many characters as last time, but like you get so, why do you, we said this last time. Why, 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 why do you spend so much time in the, like the Romulan infighting? I don't give a shit. Yeah. All that stuff of like, I'm just zoning out here. None of you are Spock, you know, when you read, like there's like multiple books I've read where it's like Spock in at Romulus doing Romulan pontificating about the unification. I'm like, I'm interested in that. None of this matters. This is just Sith backstabbing. It's not even like, Interesting Romulan storytelling, because interesting Romulan storytelling is not about humans. It's about the Vul- it's about reunification. That's a good story. People like the reunification storyline, and that's where the like tensions of Romulus and Vulcan work really well. Uh, and you can do good storytelling with those characters. Um, when it's about how best to win this war, that we know how it concludes. There's no, I don't know how to like play that. I would just cut those perspectives out entirely, so that you could actually write the characters that we care about dealing with like the paranoia of a strange war fighting an unseen enemy. Instead, yeah. they're extremely seen. You see their every fucking move. Yes. You get introduced to so many new Romulan commanders 15 seconds before they commit suicide. Uh, yeah. And yet, m- nobody knows what they look like still. <laughs> no, <laughs> only, only, the, only the main crew of the Enterprise. Stupid. There's a whole bit where it's like, uh, the Earth has in- insisted we accept the peace treaty without seeing each other because uh, they don't want Vulcans don't want anyone to know that we look like Vulcans. <laughs> yes. Well, then they said that was actually our uh, Praetor's ideal and we're the ones tricking them. And I'm like, shut up. Nobody uh, cares. I-, I would have assumed this would have been a story about how, like, as the war is going, someone makes a, like a diplomatic breakthrough to like make this treaty happen. And I mean, in like the normal boring sense of people are sending, you know, messages to either side between diplomatic channels and they just break through on getting the neutral zone set up yes. uh, in a way that just forms a stalemate uh, that is unsatisfying. Cause that's textually in Bands of Terror, what happens. <laughs> yes. Uh, like I know I'm, I assume the final battle in this is the final battle that was like known about. Um, I mean, the only I think the only thing people know about the only thing that's discussed is no one knows what Romulan looks like. And Earth and Romulus had a war that was fought with nuclear weapons and radios, right? Yes. And so I just would have assumed it would be about like Archer uh, attempting to like get a channel with the other side, realizing that like as this fighting draws on, there must be some people who can uh, help bring this bring this war war to a conclusion. Uh, in a way that could like work out but and that, that is kind of what happens in the trip plot line but in the most boring way about like oh we're sending you that technology to them and we're gonna do the sick own on the big fight yeah. um the, i mean yeah. ultimately the problem with the Roman war is that it doesn't work in the context of enterprise being starfleet light right mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yes. the romulan war was evocative because it, it spoke to like what if nasa had to fight aliens right yes like that's that's what the pitch that's what the pitch is in Star Trek. It's like there's a there's a guy in a fucking sweater vest, like Apollo thirteen in a conference room, chain smoking and launching nukes at Romulans. And that you're like, man, that sounds like the coolest shit in the world. You obviously can never show that. It would never be as cool as what you think of when you think of that. 
but it's definitely not Jonathan Archer making his war meter go up by being nice to people. <laughs> I mean, like, all, always this entire book is a retcon project because the Romulus War yes. never fits. The, the entire point uh, of, of what this is doing um, is to change that. But I just don't think that, like, the choices they make to change it is the best way you could retell this war even in the Enterprise style. Like, even knowing yes. all the things you have to change to make it fit. Uh, yeah. Because it ends up it ends up just feeling like like weak sauce Dominion War, right? Yeah. We already did this story, and it was better there, and I didn't even like it that much there. I, I can't keep getting over, like, you get so many scenes explaining, like, there's a time jump, and then, oh, the, the Romulans have taken this uh, colony, and, and we've had to retreat from there, and our lines are retreating, and we're getting closer and closer to, to Earth, and, and we're losing, and, and I'm like, but I don't know where those planets, I don't know where those planets are. I don't, and I don't care. Also, I know you've already established through all the other Enterprise books that those planets are fucking rocks with outposts on them. It's not like it's not like Betazoids fallen, right? Right, but even the Betazoids fallen thing in DS Nine is like that matters because it's Ludicrous? named. Yes, it it, it, it matters because it's like a named planet yes. that people like. But like Star Trek doesn't have borders. And, and like we we can we can look at those maps, right? We can find the, the maps that people have drawn the try to get a sense of where things are but it's so fungible because it's written in episodic stories so when you try to do a large-scale conflict like this you don't know what it like you know if there was a world war and someone takes control of the Suez canal right that means something um yes and that's what they do with ds9 with the wormhole right that is a thing that yes. means something uh, uh but the entire galaxy is not filled in with that kind of texture nor what i want it to be uh star trek is not fucking legend of the galactic heroes right yes yeah <laughs> um so it just this kind of like large scale logistics based war storytelling is not a mode that works well for Star Trek's entire like way of operating because it's too many things written separately layered on top of each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Bad book. I don't I, I don't have anything that much else, honestly. This book kind of sucks. Um it's a real shame because I still like the Enterprise characters, but these books have just forgotten why Enterprise is often silly and fun um, in order to do things that other Star Treks did before better. Like, this is the most, like, fan wank. We're going to please the people who really just want more cool Star Trek action stuff. And it's just not what I'm looking for. I was craving in my soul a space mystery by the end of this book. I want want the Enterprise to... Look at a thing, be confused by it, interact with it in ways that like enrich their characters, and then walk away from it. Because um, there's that I've scene. Got... Where... Yeah. Okay, go, go ahead. No, there no, go, go ahead. ahead. Like, there's that scene where like Hoshi talks to uh, to Paul about being useless, and it's kind of funny. But it's one of the best scenes in the book because it's a character we like talking about a thing that is happening with them to another yes. character we like with a perspective. And I'm like, oh, this is Star Trek's happening. It's like not great, but why is this not the whole book? I think of a whole chapter to Hoshi being bit by space bugs and freaking out i don't know yeah. why. why why but it is like at least it has something to, like it's a character that i kind of like doing stuff it's way better than any time we go back to valdor and the fucking imperial intrigue shit i'm like this is just sith this is just why the sith are stupid i <laughs> don't care because they keep killing their apprentices all the time yes <laughs> oh my honor blade thirsts for blood i'm like shut up nobody cares <laughs> they do keep they do keep talking about their honor blade thirsting for blood um do you have anything else absolutely not uh sorry this is such a negative episode but i truly didn't like this book it's one of the worst we've covered 
Um, yeah, we're we're not gonna. I would like to cover the uh, is it articles of the Federation? No, Rise the Federation. Series. Rise of the Federation. Um, at some point, but that's five books, and I kind of want to do them close together. When we do them, and I we want to break. Uh, yeah, I don't want to do that. I have a, a suggestion for our next book. Uh, okay, I also have a suggestion. So let's go ahead. Oh, do you want to go first? I was gonna say we could do Millennium, but um, I was going. <laughs> I was going to suggest Prime Directive. Is that the the fourth Shatterverse book? No, that is the 1990 book written by Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens. It is oh, a okay, so we book. Bo- we both went this way. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I never finished the Millennium trilogy. But this, this is a, this is a single book, and then we're done. Because the Millennium thing is weird, isn't it? Like, it's three books, but they're in one volume. It's just, I would probably rather handle it as one really long book. Yeah, yeah. I would rather it. just do Prime Directive and then circle no. back around to Millennium. This is, uh, this is just TOS, right? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Oh, it's written in 1990. This is before even, man, we get to see what they're thinking about before even, yes. like, TNG's fully formed in, in yes. its stuff. You know what? You're so right. Let's do Prime Directive. Yeah. This is this is a one of the like most like recommended and beloved Trek books, and I've not read it. So, well, this is I assume one of the ones that because like after this they're writing Federation, and then after that they're doing Shatterverse, right? Which is when yes. they get really picked up by like yeah the big name ones. Whereas I assume this is before this is just a Star Trek book from authors that happen to blow up a little. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the second the second TOS novel. They're at Memory Prime and then Prime Directive. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely done. Can't wait. Yeah um there'll probably be something else that we watch along with that but i don't know what yet we'll figure it out um yeah we'll see okay. don't worry about it uh if you are in the discord we'll announce there uh but uh i assume there are many people listening to this podcast who are not because if you're a star trek fan it's not like we have that much content you know i get yeah. it if you're like oh if, if you're not listening to our other podcasts and you just have this in your feed and every every six months one of these episodes drifts in you're like oh sos i'm really excited i used to love that podcast um thank you from the bottom of my heart from because we're giving you nothing and we're never yes. we're never turning on the faucet the way that it was before <laughs> no but we have i while we're never turning on the faucet that we have before even in this very negative episode about a bad book uh our I mean, we mostly talked Star- about a really good show, yes. Our spirits on Star Trek are high. We're enjoying yes. it right a lot right now. You really just got to pick the ones that you know are good. There's a lot That's of so bad true. Star Trek out there. That's so true. Uh, so yeah, that was a, that was good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll be sometime next year. I don't know when. I'd like to do it before. the. I'd like to probably get two out a year. I think that's like a good pace for now. Um, mm-hmm. So expect it in like May. But who knows? If we if we if we have a gap in our schedule, and we want to do it earlier. We'll do it earlier. If we don't, we won't. You know, whatever. Yep. Um, if it gets to be like July and you haven't heard about SOS, feel free you to are, you are allowed to be us. like, "Hey, where's SOS?" And we'll either have a good excuse or we'll be like, "Damn, we forgot," and then do it. But I, I think mean, I, you know, I'm still thinking about Star Trek pretty much all the time. So I mean, Star Trek will keep releasing for at least yeah. the next year. I don't know. You know, I, Star Trek I, releasing I, has very little like overlap with me thinking about Star Trek most times because it's like Picard, but. No, but like Lower Decks and uh, yes. Strange New Worlds Strange were coming Worlds. out. I, I want to get back to Prodigy. Um, I saw some screenshots in Prodigy. I'm like, oh, this is really just a post-Voyager show. Because like fucking real last Janeway is in it now. And like a bunch of what? Federation folk. They're back. Wait, I thought it was a Delta Quadrant show. Um, I don't know what the context is, but I've see- I saw I saw a photo of like Admiral Janeway with a silver streak in her hair talking to an Andorian in a Starfleet off- uh, uniform. I love that the that Star Trek sucks so bad. Like Picard <laughs> is terrible, right? Like I, I know I haven't seen season six, second season seems bad. Those two seasons of Discovery were awful. 
behind Kurtzman's back, everyone is just doing all the shit everyone likes. (laughs) Oh, Max Kurtzman can't see. Quick, make Star Trek. (laughs) Yes. Incredible. Yeah. So we'll see. Because I watched like most of the first half of the first season. Um, But it was a little too like normal kids show for me. Um, But it wasn't like in a bad way. Just to know this is not this has not become a thing that I think about when I think about Star Trek. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was not enthused. Lower Decks was like about to air. And I was like, we're just going to do Lower Decks. Um, it's hard to watch shows right now. Dusty's in grad school and we watch Star Trek together. And you know what? It's really hard to schedule fucking anything when someone's in grad school and working a full-time job. That's true. Even without working a full-time go- job. So I can't even yeah. imagine the hell, the grad school yeah. hell. Yeah. Dusty's just busy all the time. It's fine. Yes, we're working through it. But it does mean that like Enterprise is just stalled out. We watch Lower Decks. We make sure we watch Lower Decks and Stranger Worlds and that's it. Uh, um. Yeah, lower decks help I mean twenty two minutes, right? Like Yeah. Um anyway, uh would you like to do some full plugs? Because you know, people might only listen to this, so feel free to go long. Yeah. Uh you can find me at Headfalls Off on Twitter, on co-host. Uh seeing as is every six months. Can't tell you how the uh how the, the website situation will be before the next episode. <laughs> I um, I'm willing to bet five dollars Twitter's still around in six months. I feel like it's stabilized. Yes. Um the hell happened and now it's just bad in the, a stable shitty awful way yeah um we've all just settled for less and we're still there so and we're still there yeah uh I, now the thing that everyone expected has actually begun where like no one knew was joining twitter and after this shit yeah uh, so you get or the, the, the ones that are the people you really don't want to talk to right so we'll just get the slow death over the next few years which is the thing everyone yeah. expected when the, the thing happened then it would look like oh we might be gone tomorrow but that uh yeah that's all over. We'll see. Um, but I'm also, I'm also one co-host, which is uh, another website. Um, and I will try to get headphones off wherever it may be. Uh, and um, yeah, you can find the podcasts that we do, abnormalmapping.com. Uh, go listen to them. Uh, we got Abnormal Mapping Game Club for if you like video games. Uh, and we're covering a bunch of cool stuff there. We did an episode in Snatcher recently, which is a 90s sci-fi game. That if you enjoyed this, you might enjoy that. Um, <laughs> um yeah might. sure i mean it's yeah it's definitely possible uh i mean i like both i am starting a new podcast soon that if you like this you might like that uh i can't announce it yet i don't have all the details but it'll podcast about sci-fi books come in i was gonna say like, you don't even know all the details yet. i don't even know the, i don't even the details are not decide i can't announce it but like knowing i only have six months uh look check check my twitter feed for that i guess is all i can say i will yeah. at some point have a a project that i'm working on that is similar to sos um overlapping interests that's all i yeah. got uh, if you just want us uh, to ch- talk about things we've watched uh you can listen to reptor screenings reptor screenings.com that's every two weeks we watch a movie talk about movies yeah um i am on twitter at em underscore being i'm on coast at em dash being where i post most days about stuff i'm reading or watching or playing or whatever um as I go movie moded, uh, I'm about to run out of all my game reviews and hit my movie reviews, and the tone's going to shift quite a bit. <laughs> I assume uh, you'll get into like, I mean, I, I know your movie writing tone. It's very different to your game writing tone. I can't like verbalize. I'm going to try to have similar tone, but it's like I'm just I'm watching much more serious things than the games I'm playing, right? Well, that's what I mean. You can't talk about like the the movies you're watching unmentioned yeah. <laughs> in the same yeah. time Balthazar about- is like a sad movie about a donkey being like beat up by life for an hour and a half i can't talk about that the same way i talk about Mega Man x4 uh i i, I feel like that donkey <laughs> yeah i bet um 
uh, if you'd like me to talk about books more often, I do that most weeks at uh, Around the Long Fire, which is on Roll Mapping Podcast, my friend Neve, where we're reading Icelandic sagas, which has nothing to do with Star Trek, but it is us talking about books every week. And I think uh, people would like it. It's nice and chill. Um, yeah. We often talk about movies and that, too, I'll be honest. Cool. Um, I mean, it's you two. You guys talk about movies. Yeah, there's always like 20 minutes of goof off at the end of most episodes. So um, it's nice. Um, we got a little bit of that ornate Star Wars energy on uh, on Long Fire. Um, if you'd like to support our podcasts, um, I understand if you only care about Star Trek, don't 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 pay money for that. I, I mean, I think <laughs> we do good shows, but you're not going to get more of what you want. I'm sorry. I thank you for listening at all. Um, maybe share the episode. That's a big help. Uh, be like they never post about Star Trek when they do. It's fire. That's what you know. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, but. Um, if you'd like to support us and you listen to all of our shows, you can go to patreon.com slash normal mapping for $1 a month. You get the great Gundam project where we watch Gundam every Wednesday, uh, two episodes where we we're just finishing superior defender Gundam force, a CG kid show from the aunts. We're about to watch Gundam Sea destiny, which is a, uh, 2d kid show from the aunts <laughs> that probably sucks. Uh, but we're going to enjoy it. Um, uh, we want, we just watched Digimon tamers, which is a kid show from the aunts. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, I'll say that. Uh, and we're about to watch uh, Our Battle or Dunbine, which is a 1980s anime that I know slaps because I've seen the first 10 episodes. and it, It's good. Um, we're going to get time. Um, for $5, you get blockbusters where me and Jackson sit down once a month and talk about a Hollywood film and uh, break it down and talk about the script and the ideologies behind it. I think that epi- those episodes are really good. We recently did one on Saturday Night Fever, which we both really liked, but talked a lot about the ways it depicts like race and class and, and masculinity. Um that's, yeah, that's a good episode. Um, that's a good. And, sometimes those those uh, episodes are about very similar to like a bad Star Trek book. You get some like fucking stupid movie, and you have a fun time talking about it. Uh, that Saturday Night Fever episode is a very good episode about a crunchy movie. I recommend yeah. it so strongly. Very proud. Uh, and then for ten dollars, you get uh, VoIP Life every two weeks, where we just kind of hang out and shoot the shit. If you'd like us goofing about nonsense, whether it's like games or movies or anything, uh, that's where to check it out. That is just a big thank you for anyone who wants to support us. <laughs> We do appreciate any support because that's the only way we keep doing this. Um, but like I said, I understand if Trek fans are like, no, you're not doing Star Trek. Are there Star Trek VoIPs? And I'll be like, no, not really. No, no, no. <laughs> I think we've mentioned Star Trek a couple times, but I don't think there's even been a one dedicated Star Trek episode of VoIP Life. Maybe I'm I- wrong. I, f- I feel like if we ever recorded a Star Trek Vote Life, we would just put it in this feed because we feel yes. bad about it. <laughs> just as like a gift. Yeah, probably. Um, anyway. I think that's everything. Uh, we'll be back in a couple months to talk about Prime Directive and whatever else we decide to watch along with it. Um, I'm still excited for Star Trek, even if I don't post that often about it. I will not be watching Picard Season 3. You can take that one to the fucking bank. I don't know how much worth we put in it. Um, there's a rumor that Jordy's going to be canonically married to Leah Brahms in that show. That's not a that's rumor. Good. That's, I'm fairly sure, just true. God, it sucks so fucking much. How do you make that show and make that choice? How like, does LeVar Burton agree to that choice? How does he not go, no? They already, it was already meant to happen in Nemesis. They've already like come this close to putting it on screen. I fucking hate it. I think it's miserable. Um, I, like this, the, People have just run with it as the thing that's going to happen because it's in All Good Things. Even though All Good Things is meant to be like a weird future you don't want to happen. Yes. You know, what else happened? you know what else happened in All Good Things? Picard and Beverly got married and then divorced. No one's doing that. Deanna Troy's fucking dead. That's also not happening. Yeah, no one's doing Worf and Riker's eternal war over dead Deanna Troy. That, <laughs> that hasn't come back. Yeah. But for um, some reason, this thing. 
Anyway, uh, again, we're immediately negative about Star Trek. That's why I said these podcasts are only every six months. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Until next time, we will see you out there.